on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. And I might sound a little different. I'm in a different uh, recording uh, studio uh, than, I, than I've been in before. Uh, I am in the basement of our house that, uh, that we've moved into. It used to be my mom and dad's house. It's now it's in the process of becoming Amy's and my house. Um, and I'm in the basement bathroom uh, recording this. Why am I not recording this from the basement of Nostalgia Zone, you might ask? Uh, Nostalgia Zone, by the way, is a uh, comic book store in Minneapolis. You can get to the uh, website by going to nostalgiazone.com. You can become a member of our membership. It's free. You you know might get an email or two uh, a month, but it's just to let you know what new products are in or if there's a sale and things like that. You become a member, you save 10% on your purchases, and you will earn you know, and 10% of your purchase will become points that can add up if you wish, uh, and or you can use them the very next time you order something, or you can let them add up so you can save even more money on future purchases. Uh, we've got comic books from Marvel and DC and Charlton and Archie and Harvey and Dell and all kinds of other companies. Uh, and we've got romance comics, if, uh, if you're into that, Western uh, war comics, and of course, superhero comics galore. Um, so check out the website. If you're into buying comic books, check out NostalgiaZone.com. And you, know, you can order online. We'll ship just about anywhere. And uh, yeah, do that. When you do that, it helps keep me in a job in a comic book store, which is kind of you know, a nice thing to have. But I'm not there today. Because, well, a couple of days ago, uh, I got together with uh, two of my friends. Uh, each Thursday we try. We don't always make it, but uh, each Thursday we try to get together to watch a movie or some TV shows or something like that. And uh, last Thursday was the first time we were able to get to, together in a while. Uh, and um, uh, one of the fellows, the place whose house it is, uh, he had uh, recovered from covid he, you know, he did what he was supposed to do. You know, I think he took the uh, Paxlovid uh, medication that helps to shorten the duration and the severity of the COVID. And it was his first time getting it. He managed to stay away from it for all that time, uh, but he, but he did end up getting it. Uh, and then so he went through the course of the illness, and it got better. And then he waited the. You know, CDC recommended amount of time to uh, rejoin the world. He did. He did most of his. He does most of his work from home as it is anyway. But um, so anyway, he he said, "Well, guys, you want a chance? It come on over and you know finish watching. We uh, finished watching that uh, mini series that's on Peacock, I believe. Uh, the I, what is it called? The Continental from the World of John Wick or something like that. You know the John Wick films, uh, the Keanu Reeves uh, action movies where he kills everybody." Uh, and you know, you know they're fun it's like a video game it's like watching that uh, it's very brutal and people seem to be much more durable than human beings should be but that's it's, you know it's a movie what are you going to do uh, this TV series is a bit of a prequel 
where it shows uh, there's a ma major character in the John Wick films who runs this Continental Hotel, which is uh, neutral ground for the assassins and hitmen and, you know, whatever, this whole world that, uh, that exists inside the world of uh, normalcy. Uh, these people go out and kill everybody uh, that they're, well, they're, kill whoever they're supposed to. It's an organized crime kind of thing, I guess, and, and, and there's some grand organization called The Hand that uh, is behind all the all the stuff, I guess. Anyway, the Continental Series shows how this character, Winston Scott, became the manager of the Continental Hotel. And it's, you know, it's, it's good. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's just, you know, a lot more killing and, <laughs> and all that. It's just John Wick's not there. Because uh, he was probably pretty young at the at the point. He was just a kid. Just just you know, he hadn't gotten to his first kill yet. Maybe his first woundings he was able to do. But uh, uh, anyway, um, so we went on over to watch that and Logan's Run. Oh, let me tell you, that movie. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it's okay. It's anyway. Uh, so we got over to watch that, and uh, the three of us, you know, spent a wonderful evening together making fun of the show we were watching and, and the movie we were watching and, and teasing each other and, you know, the things we do. And uh, the next day, Friday, uh, later in the day, um, the, the fellow whose house we went to said, uh, uh, you know, he made an announcement on Facebook, actually. Uh, he did, he, he said something to uh, the two of us that were over there, and then he announced on Facebook uh, uh, that uh, COVID came back. He had round two. He's, he had waited the amount of time that you're supposed to wait. He'd, he'd done all that. He'd, he'd avoided people. He took, you know, this is like, okay, I'm beyond the, the time that the CDC recommends that you wait before, like I said, rejoining the world. And so he rejoined the world. And then again, and then the uh, day or so later, uh, or the next day, he started feeling the same symptoms that he had when it came on the first time. And I guess he must have checked and, made sh and found out for sure that he does have the COVID. So, <clears throat> so good luck. I hope he gets through it. Uh, and, uh, 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 you know, gets through it okay. And I'm uh, so far, uh, this being Saturday morning, I feel okay. Maybe a little paranoid. <laughs> You're like, oh, am I getting a headache? Uh, do I have any aches? What's that? What's oh, you know, I might be having that kind of thing going on. Uh, I checked my temperature a couple times today. It's normal. I don't know how much of a fever is involved in the in this uh, mutated version of of COVID that's uh, uh, prevalent right now. I don't know. But uh, so I I sent a message to the folks at the comic book store saying, you know, out of an abundance of of uh, of caution, I'm going to not go into the store today. I don't want to infect you guys or the customers. If I don't want to expose them anyway. I don't know if I got it. I like again. I feel fine. We'll just see what happens. So that's why I'm recording from the basement of uh, of uh, our house. That's not quite our house yet, it, but it's getting there. <laughs> uh, anyway, hopefully sometime next month it'll be official. It'll be our house, and uh, and hopefully um, the house that we're selling will sell soon because I, I would just like to get some financial stuff taken care of because uh, we'll be st it, it, we may be expected to take care of two houses for a while. Uh, my older brother has said that uh, he will help us out if we need it and we will probably need it. But anyway, enough about that. 
Let me ask you guys something. Uh, what was the cause of the United States Civil War, or as it's more commonly called, the American Civil War? What was the cause? This was a question that was asked of uh, Nikki Haley. I believe she used to be the governor of South Carolina. She's running for president, uh, for, the, uh, for the nomination of president of, uh, for the Republican Party. Uh, which, you know, we're not, we here at Dimland Radio aren't too pleased with the Republican Party. <laughs> they're, they're the party that wants to take away freedoms. That's essentially, that's it. Yeah, the, one of the friends I was talking about uh, had been, you know, and still probably has fairly conservative viewpoints. Uh, you know, maybe he's a, a little cent more central, centrist than, than not, but um, he's even made this statement. He says, I am going to vote for the party that's not going to take away my freedoms. And that's what the Republican Party has become. They're the party that takes away freedoms. They took away, you know, abortion rights, you know, or they want to. Uh, they've, you know, certain states have taken them away. So people have to go to other states in order to, you know, get an abortion. Especially when, you know, down there in Texas, where there's a woman that she's going to have a baby that's not going to live. And rather than going through all that process, let's just, you know, let's terminate the pregnancy. You know, but nope, Texas says you can't do it. So she had to go to another state. America, freedom, liberty, freedom. That's what this country is all about. So anyway, Nikki Haley was asked at a, at a town hall meeting, and the question exactly was, uh, what was the cause of the United States Civil War? And her initial reaction was to, oh, well, don't come at me with an easy one, something like that. And then she goes into this answer about, oh, I, you know, it had to do with the, the role of government. She said, "She's going around uh, and and asking, you know, starting with that." And then she asks the person who asked the question, "What do you think was the start of civil war?" And he rightly answered, "I'm not running for president." So then she expanded on her answer. She says, "It's you know, she brought in capitalism and economic freedom." And she said, "This freedom to be anything they want to be, they being Americans." I'll start that sentence again. Freedom to be anything they want to be without government getting in the way. And she left this part out. Except if you're trans. Or, you know, except if you want to not be pregnant. And you find yourself pregnant. Uh, or, you know, being in a same-sex marriage. Uh, or maybe, maybe at some point they'll take away the, you know, interracial, you know, marriage, even though race is a weird concept, but still. So with those exceptions, you know, she wants people to be free to be what they want to be and do what they want to do without government getting in the way. So <clears throat> she wraps up her answer and the fellow had a, a follow-up statement. And you really, you know, I'll, I'll link to... Um, uh, a video that will show that you know has uh, it's a you know, uh, progressive uh, channel you know that's that's very liberal and all that and they they talk about stuff in the news and give that spin so just take it for that because it is a, it's a liberal kind of thing but I'll but they play the clip uh, or maybe I'll try to find the YouTube clip and just 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 bear if I can find it but you know you have to listen pretty turn up the volume put the headphones on listen pretty closely because what the man says. Who had asked the question? He says, "In the year 2023, 
It is astonishing indeed that you can answer that question without mentioning slavery. And she, she retorts, what do you want me to say about slavery? <laughs> and she, you know, she's gotten some, some pushback. She's gotten some flack over this. Uh, of course, the megas probably, you know, probably endeared her even more to their hearts. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's all about, you know, states' rights. Now, she didn't say states' rights. She did talk about the role of government. Which I suppose you could say that's kind of part of it. But, you know, the answer is, it's a one-word answer. What was the cause of the American Civil War? It's a one-word answer. It's slavery. That's the cause. That's why it happened. Now, I'm going to uh, also put on the show notes page, which, by the way, you can get to the show notes page by going to dimland.com. Uh, you click on the uh, uh, show notes uh, blog option. And you'll find them. And I'll link into there uh, to a fellow that goes, he's a YouTuber. He goes by the name Bo of the Fifth Column. And he's uh, he's a fairly liberal guy. But I think he's pretty even-handed in his uh, analysis of what's going on uh, in the world of politics and society and uh, things of that nature. He's pretty even-handed about things. And then he also has a, a second channel. The, the first channel is called Bo of the Fifth Column. He has a second channel called The Roads with Bo. And those videos are a little bit longer, and he gets a little more... Um, he brings in a lot more detail. Uh, he, he spends more time on a topic than in some of his other videos, in the uh, Bo of the Fifth Column videos. Um, he says those videos are a little more concise, to the point, where these... Um, he spends a little more time giving background and uh, and 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 other bringing in other aspects of the of the story and focusing on uh, certain aspects of uh, uh, well he does one on on what Nikki Haley how she responded to this and he backs up and I'm going to steal a little bit of his thunder I'm not going to take all of it but I'm going to steal a little bit of his thunder by uh, by pointing out some of the things that he had said in there. Um, he mentions that you know we don't have to, re we don't really have to ask you know President Biden or Nikki Haley or you know that asshole who wants to be dictator. Uh, we don't have to ask them. All all we need to do is just go to the Confederates, you know, go to those states that <clears throat> that uh, seceded from the Union, and look at you know just Google it, find their statements of reasons of why they were seceding, and they'll tell you. Yeah, he says, uh, he brings up uh, Georgia. He says, uh, in the first paragraph, it mentions slavery. The first paragraph, in their statement of reasons, they mention slavery. Uh, they, they talk about uh, the, the non-slaveholding states, uh, the, the oppression of those states. Mississippi has, and I uh, have a little quote here, uh, that... Um, that uh, about its uh, its stance about the necessity of slavery. It's, uh, the quote is, "A blow at slavery is a blow at commerce and civilization. Commerce and civilization. Slavery. You know, trying to end slavery is a blow at civilization. Really? <laughs> That's insane. It's it's." It's in there. He mentions a couple other states. Uh, I don't think. Uh, I think he points out that not every state that seceded gives a statement of reasons, but you know it's there in, in some of them. Some of it's in their second paragraph or their third paragraph. They bring up slavery, 
And the worst <clears throat> aspect, and he, he alludes to it, um, this was uh, something that uh, was, uh, uh, it's known as the Cornerstone Speech. Uh, and it was a speech given by Alexander Stevens in March of uh, 1861, which was just, you know, it, it was March 21st, and that's less than a month before the first shots of the Civil War were fired uh, on Fort Sumter in South Carolina. Um, he's talking about the Confederate government. Uh, this, and, and I think they already had the, the, some, the, the they were bringing about the Confederate government uh, at the time he's making this speech. I'm not sure if he was, I didn't look and see if he was the uh, a vice president at the time, but he would be the vice president of the Confederacy. He was the second man in charge of the, you know, secession, of the of the treasonous secession. Secession. Did I just get that word right? <clears throat> Some words are hard to say. Anyway, uh, he says this of the of the uh, Confederate government, um, and this I, you know, Bo directed me to this. He said, just read what they said. He said he's. I'm not going to get it. He's done a video where he talks more specifically about that cornerstone speech and reads what parts that he deemed he could read. <laughs> to because this stuff is nasty, mean, and horrible stuff. This is horrible, horrible stuff, inhumane. So, uh, Alexander Stevens says of the Confederacy, of its government, its foundations are laid. Its cornerstone rests upon the great truth that the Negro is not equal to the white man, that slavery subordination to the superior race is his natural and normal condition. This, our new government, is the first in the history of the world based upon this great physical, philosophical, and moral truth. Un uh, unquote. That's what he said. Uh, and then he says about uh, the non-slave and uh, the abolitionist states. He says, uh, They were attempting to make things equal, which the Creator had made unequal. So he's saying God sanctioned slavery. There was a talk about, um, I think it might, uh, it, it, one of the states in their statements of reasons had mentioned that, you know, black folks are just, you know, naturally set up to work in those warmer climates, you know, down south in America. They, they can handle it. That's, that's why they're slaves. That's why it's part of the natural order. That's, that's how it should be. So when you're asked... What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Uh, give the answer that uh, Nikki Haley should have given. Slavery. They said it themselves. Oh boy, uh, I've gotten to the <laughs> uh, got to my first break. Hard to believe. Uh, I hope I sound okay in here. This is uh, you know this bathroom. Uh, you know if you're claustrophobic, this isn't a bathroom for you. There's no window. It's in the basement. It's uh, but it's nice. I find it kind of cozy. 
Anyway, uh, <clears throat> enough bathroom talk. Uh, I, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network and ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dimfit Simmons. I shall return after this break. Radio, the number one choice for music, sports, news, and talk radio. So keep that dial locked to ztalkradio.com. Don't just take my word for it, but you are listening to Dimland Radio on Ztalk Radio Network. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern on Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Talk Radio Network. We're the station that beats all the competition, and we'll prove it as soon as we hear any competition. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. To Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dimfit Simmons. Uh, I've got a little, uh, this is kind of a bummer story. Sorry, it's going to be a bit of a bummer story. Um, but first, uh, uh, some, some uh, uh, lead up to it. Um, here in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is where I live, uh, we've been having a problem. And I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm sure that it's a similar problem around the country. Uh, that there are copper wire thieves that uh, have found a way to make money without working uh, by stealing the copper out of street lights, out of lamp posts. Uh, there are apparently St. Paul has a uh, uses a particular kind of, of lamp post that is more susceptible to the break-in uh, of them and getting out the uh, copper wire. Uh, they're very nice-looking lamps, and you know most law-abiding you know, law citizens will appreciate them and think they look nice, and they do a good job. It's the scofflaws out there who are desperate for money, for whatever reason, and want to get it easy, uh, although you know they're risking getting caught. Some of them do get caught. But these particular lampposts, they have a they have a little panel at the base that is locked in. You need a special key to unlock it to open it up to do maintenance on the thing. But if you have a crowbar, apparently, you can pop that panel right off. I first became aware of this problem. 
it's shortly after we got our dog Edna. My sweet little Japanese chin. She's oh, she's this adorable. I can, you know, it's hard to believe how into your heart an animal can get. How how just completely smitten you can get with a with a pet. It's a, I I forget that. Now the cat that we had, I really did like our cat. I loved our cat. And it's just something about this dog. You know, dogs are a little more kiss-ass than cats, so it's a little easier to get really tied up in them. <laughs> Not that cats are incapable of being kiss-asses, but dogs have it to a T. So anyway, so it's, um, we had Edna, and you know this story. If you've been listening to my show for any amount of time, you know this story. But uh, I'll recap it. We had Edna for, what, three or four weeks, maybe? And... Um, I would take her for you know several. She gets several walks a day, uh, and and I was taking her out for her last walk of the day. It was after ten. It was dark. It must have been. It was either June or July, somewhere on there. And we, uh, um, I took her out for the walk, and and just a few doors down, and this is the house uh, we're selling. Uh, that's where this happened. Uh, just like three doors down from us, or two doors down from us, is a is a walkway par- park that spans about a mile. It's just a little. Uh, it's an area that used to be uh, where trolley car tracks were years ago, like decades ago, and it's, they've the city has uh, re- you know re- uh, retained the ownership of that property and has turned it into a, a nice walking path. So you got a nice grass area, some trees, and a nice pavement, uh, you know, pa- a paved path to walk along. And each block has three of these lamps, or at least most of them do. And it runs about a mile. So there's a, there's a few streets that cut through it. And so most of the blocks will have three of those lamps along them. And that's when I learned that they're not working. And I, I was like, wow, none of these lamps are working. Why? And then I saw the, 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 the panel at the base had been pulled off and some leftover you know, non-copper wires hanging out. I thought, oh, okay, people going after the copper. So these lights don't work. It was uh, that, uh, those lights not working, and my foolishness, my naivete, that having a flashlight would be enough. Um, I walked, you know, we were heading to that path and I could see that there were a couple of people walking along the path in our direction. I just turned on the flashlight, I turned it over toward them, sort of, not, you know, don't want to get it in their eyes or anything. And I see that it's not two people, it's a guy and his dog taking a walk. Except the dog wasn't on a leash. And the dog came on over and before I knew what was going on, that dog had my dog's head in its mouth. Now, it didn't pick up, you know, Edna and shake it, squeeze real hard and shake her around or anything. I don't think it was attacking her. I think it was attempting to play, but it scared the shit, and I mean literally, out of the dog and me, although I didn't shit, uh, but I was scared and angered. The guy finally catches up. The two of us get uh, the dogs apart. I've got Edna in my arms. She's screaming, tears all over her face, just screaming. And I, of course, laid into the guy uh, about the unwiseness of walking a dog without a leash. And I used a few uh, choice words, and I said so in a voice so loud. I've never yelled at another human being as intensely, as loudly, 
as angrily as I did that night. Uh, Edna had a little injury on her eye. We you know, got her through it, and, then, and she's okay. So luckily, as I said, the dog, I don't think, was attacking her. I think it was attempting to play. I think. Uh, it seems to me that if it was attacking her, she'd have been dead. She'd have been gone. And I'd probably have beat the shit out of that guy. Which I've never done with anybody. I've never, I've never, I never hit anybody. Well, never mind. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. I just am not a violent person. So I lay, you know, like I said, uh, the responsibility on that is mine, mainly because I was stupid enough to think, well, just you know, I've got a flashlight. I can see what's going on. Uh, so we stopped going down that path at night. We would stay around where the street lights are still working, uh, different style of lights that are less conducive to stealing the copper. So that's what I did from then on. And um, uh, let's see. Um, but I'd also put part of the blame on the copper thieves and someone on the city. I was like, why isn't the city taking care of this? Well, since then, I've noticed there's a couple other areas in, the, in St. Paul. There's this long boulevard called Phelan Boulevard that long stretches of that None of those street lamps work, and they're the same. They're the same type of uh, street lamp as the one on this walking path. And I and during the day I drive by and I see all those bottom panels pulled off, wires hanging out, and I know that's well. That's why they don't work. There are stretches along there that are that if it weren't for the businesses on one side of that road having lights on in their parking lots, it would be super dark. It's already plenty dark, but you have headlights on in the car that helps but it could be super dark. And then, if you recall, I told the story about um, cleaning carpets over at the house that we're selling. And I went over to the uh, office that the janitor's uh, place, you know, where I used to work. I went over there to get equipment and I, I grabbed the wrong stuff at first, so I go back to get different equipment uh, that would work better. And that's when, and it was dark out, that's when I noticed, my goodness, is it really dark around here? And that's when I saw that that stretch, it's Frost Avenue, is the name of that street. No street lights working. There's some parking lot lights that work, but the street lights, it's pitch dark. And uh, so if it wasn't for the headlights on the car, you know. So I started thinking, you know, I, there's somebody I know who uh, used to, I'm not sure if she still works for, but she used to work for the St. Paul Pioneer Press, which is a newspaper here in the Twin Cities. And she's a writer, a, a reporter. And I thought of reaching out to her and saying, has anybody done a story on this? I mean, how widespread is it? How bad is it? How, you know, what's going on here? And, um, and what's the city doing about it? Maybe I should have written my mayor. Hey, what's going on here? And then I did see that there was a report on the news, uh, TV news, local news channel that did a report on it. And then uh, the St. Paul Pioneer Press, I saw an article in the paper that uh, went into what was going on. And yes, the city is aware of it. And yes, they're trying to, to uh, remedy the problem. They're, they're, there's a company that's repairing them. So far this year, 2023, uh, they've, they've, the city has spent nearly $780,000, it's a fair amount of money, uh, in, in attempting to repair these streetlights. Which is, uh, according to the article, 
it's it's seven times the amount that was spent on you know streetlight maintenance in uh, in 2020. It's nearly seven times the amount. So this is a problem. This is a big problem. This is sort of uh, uh, this is somewhat taken over for the catalytic converter theft problem, because that had been dealt with. Uh, the state legislature had done something to help, I don't know, to help curtail uh, catalytic converter theft, uh, and that the the uh, the thefts have been reduced. I'm not sure by how much, but the article said that it has had some success. So they're looking to the legislature again. It's just, there's got to be something that can be done. And in that article, it said that, uh, you know, they, repair crews come out during the day and they have repaired uh, a stretch of street, land, street lights. And then that night, the, the copper thieves return and disable all of them. It's, that has happened. So it's just, it's very frustrating. And I, I'm sure it's you know, frustrating for me as a citizen of St. Paul. And I'm sure it's frustrating for the you know, officials of St. Paul. What can we do? I don't know if this is much of a problem in Minneapolis. They might have street lamps that have a different design that aren't as easy to, to break into. Uh, there's the old style of street lamps. It's a wooden pole with the works up toward the top. Those are, you know, those are working because people aren't able to climb up and get to the works. So, and I've also, in, in an article about this, there was uh, some statements about, you know, some, some of the, uh, like the phone service companies, uh, some of their boxes are getting broken into and copper being stolen out of those. So it's, it's a problem. And, and, I, and, and I'd said to somebody, you know, more than one somebody along the way that, you know, somebody's going to get hurt. Someone's going to die. Someone died. Yep. Uh, this past Christmas Eve, there's a couple that live in the north end of St. Paul. Uh, they have a uh, an almost two-year-old uh, dog, a German Shepherd. And uh, the, the husband and wife got home from a you know from a, a family gathering. And they were going to, you know, sit down and have a little something to eat at home and, and watch a movie. When the husband said, well, I better take the dog for a walk. So he went out. And after a bit, there was a knock on the door. The, uh, the wife thought it was the husband having locked himself out. And she opens the door. It's a neighbor of hers saying, you have to come quick. Uh... Her husband and her dog were hit by a car at an intersection at one of those disabled lights. The man died. The dog died. Copper thieves have blood on their hands. And it, it, there might, it, you know, it happened on an intersection that was being redesigned, a stretch of street that was redesigned to go from four lanes to three lanes, you know, with a turn lane down the middle and two lanes on the side. And then at the uh, intersections, they would, um, uh, the boulevard, or the, you know, the, the curb would, would, would come into the street a little bit. You know, to, just, just like to narrow the intersection just a little bit, just to help slow people down in driving. So the, the, so the lane 
that you know that was part of the the two lanes you know the, by the curb is now just exclusively a parking lane so it, it changes things and hope you know and it was meant to be a, a safer intersection also meant to inconvenience cars uh, <laughs> and you know normal use of cars uh, in favor of uh, pedestrians and bike riders but that's just me being conservative <laughs> in my political views no anyway so yeah the guy got hit uh, and and his wife now widow said that they'd always been careful they used a flashlight they were sure to you know pay attention to the situational awareness look around uh, look both ways for crossing streets and all that and the driver that hit him did not take off pulled over it's a 45 year old man whose life has now changed he was as far as I know the article had nothing about any kind of reckless driving or anything like that it was purely an accident and the, the, the driver just didn't see the man walking his dog I, I'm reminded of, 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 a, of a night when I was leaving you know the friends that I told you about at the top of the show with the COVID thing um, one of the times leaving his place uh, it's it's dark I saw that there was a dog walking in the street, walking away from me as I'm driving. I can see there's a dog walking, and alongside the dog was a was one of those plastic uh, bags that you get from like Walgreens or whatever. One of the, you know shopping bags, a little plastic bag was uh, was rolling along the ground, uh, being blown by the wind. It's it's just right alongside the dog. Except as I got closer, my headlights caught more. Uh, those weren't that wasn't a plastic bag rolling across the street those were white shoes on a person wearing dark clothes and I went oh there's somebody walking a dog be careful uh, and my friend will take heart in this um, because he had he had suggested to me and I having read that article about the man who was who's who was killed along with his dog because of this lighting problem uh, I've decided I'm going to go out and get one of those um, safety vests, you know, the highly reflective vests. I'm going to wear that when I walk in at night. I had been using a flashlight. I keep the flashlight on the dog so the dog is in the beam of the light so that, you know, there's a dog and hopefully they see that flashlight beam. But uh, my friend will be happy to know that I'm going to do that. And I guess you can never be too careful. So, yeah, it's a bummer. It's happened on Christmas Eve. I hope nobody else, I hope it doesn't happen to anybody else, but something's got to be done. Something's got to be done to, to deter this, this copper theft because it's, these streets are getting dark. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, how about uh, I go to my next break? <laughs> Isn't that happy news? No, I know. I'll, I'll come back with something. I don't know. I don't know if it'll be happy, but it'll be different. <laughs> Welcome, uh, no, you, I was going to say welcome too. You've been here for a while. Unless you're just tuning in, which is weird because this is as a podcast. If you're downloading this and you're just tuning in in the third segment, I you know, or at the end of the second segment, what, what, what? Anyway, uh, you're listening to Dimland Radio on the Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I will return.
you know, if I can maneuver into a tight parking spot at the mall, I'm pretty much sexually satisfied. And I've been to the mall twice today already. You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. I'm Mick West. In my podcast, Tales from the Rabbit Hole, I've extended conversations with people who have been involved in conspiracy culture. I do this for a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it's really interesting. These people have great stories about how they fell down the conspiracy theory rabbit hole, what they did down there, and what it was that helped them out. Sometimes I also talk to people who investigate conspiracy theories, and they have equally fascinating stories from the other side. Secondly, I want to understand how best to prevent the spread of conspiracy theories and misinformation, which is an increasing problem in a time when alternative media is exploding. The best way to do this is to communicate effectively with the people involved, and the best way to do that is with a nice long chat. Check it out. Tales from the Rabbit Hole. TFTRH.com You're listening to Z-Talk Radio's Red-Headed Stepchild. It's Dr. Dim on Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network. Welcome back to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. Hi, I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons. That bumper reminds me that this is the last Dimland Radio show for the year of our Lord, Satan, uh, 2023. Hail Satan. I, You know, I don't believe in Satan, remember? <laughs> I just say that to mess with people. Anyway, um, so it's, uh, it's New Year's. And uh, long-time listeners to my show will know that I make the same resolution every year. And so far, I've kept it. Every year, I've kept it. And so the resolution is that I live to see the next year. So my resolution for the year 2024 is to make it to see the year 2025. I figure one of these years, I'm going to break my resolution. Hopefully, that won't be for quite a while. Um, so, yeah, it's it's New Year's. What's your resolution? Send me an email. Tell me what they are. I'd be interested. Send an email to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. Uh, send me an email. Or just send me an email for the question. Maybe I you want me to talk about something. Just send me a question. Or, you know, send me some hate mail. <laughs> Why, you dirty lib. <laughs> Sorry. But wait a minute. Didn't you say something was kind of conservative? Yeah, I did. Anyway, uh you know, uh, still, <clears throat> it's the duality of man, I guess. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, so that's my resolution. I make the same one every year. I mean, there's other kinds of resolutions, like uh, I want to draw more. 
you know, there's that kind of stuff. But I just, you know, there's a project that's been on hold for a long time. And I'm, and, and I'm trying to find the time to get back to it and do it. Uh, and find the, whatever it is in, inside me that will let me do it. It's a weird thing when you get in a block on something. On art and writing and whatever. It's, it's, it's weird. And, uh, and you let things kind of say, well, I'll do, i got to do this. You let things get in the way. So, um, let me see. I think what I'll do is uh, one of my signature segments, uh, which, is, uh, which is coming up right now. And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. I mean, I got a lot of them. I mean, they're always there. It's me. You know how I am. I'm a pedant. And it's pronounced pedant. You know, what's my favorite tree? Pedantry. Uh, it's, you know, you know. I mean, I got a lot of them. There's, there's a sports one that I, I posted on Facebook. If you follow me on Facebook, you'll know, you, you might know what I'm going to say. There's a guy who does play-by-play for Fox Sports, does football, and he has said this twice now. Twice. Uh, when there's a player who, uh, a single player, one player who makes quite an impact on a particular play or a series of plays or through a whole game, it's this one player makes a big impact. Uh, this this uh, play-by-play guy has said it twice now. It's called that player a one-man wrecking ball. Wrecking balls are singular. It's you, you don't see two wrecking balls hanging from one of those cranes banging down walls. Now, you might have two cranes, each with a wrecking ball, working on different sides of the building doing some work, but the wrecking ball is one. It's just, it's one. So you don't have to say a one-man wrecking ball. It's just, he's, just call him a wrecking ball. That man is a wrecking ball. That's what you could say. Or you could use a different phrase, which is wrecking crew. Which a crew is, you know, generally I would say, at least two or more, pe- you know, two people. That's a crew. If you send out a guy, one person to do a job, then you're sending out a guy or a gal to do the job. If you're sending out two people or three or four or more, you're sending a crew. Okay, so a wrecking crew. So you could say, the guy could say, a one-man wrecking crew, and that would work. But a one-man wrecking ball is just redundant and dumb. Just say he's a wrecking ball or he's a one-man wrecking crew. There, see? Problem solved. The first time he did it, I thought, eh, he just misspoke. He was mixing his metaphors. Second time, he, he thinks it's clever, I think. I should send Fox Sports a letter thinking, just you tell this guy, just either say wrecking crew, uh, a wrecking ball, or one man wrecking crew. Don't, you know, it's, anyway. You saw that on the Facebook. But I have another one. And this occurred to me, I've done, uh, this, you're going to hear this one, it's going to be like the first one, you, it's going to be familiar to you, if you, again, if you're a, lo- a long-time listener to the show. It's going to be familiar to you. But it's, it's this, what would happen after this? You know, in movies and TV shows, but movies in particular, what would happen after the resolution of the film? So, 
I've done one before, and it was for the film Twelve Angry Men from 1957, the original film. Sidney Lumet directed it. Henry Fonda stars in it as juror number eight. It's a, a death penalty case. A young man is, uh, is, is accused of uh, murdering his father. There's a couple of witnesses. There's a, other evidence that they examine. And it's all, the thing, almost the entire movie takes place in the jury deliberation room. Almost the entire case, or film, I should say. And it seems cut and dried when they all come in. Everybody, except for juror number eight, goes for guilty. Juror number eight says not guilty. And it's not that he thinks that the kid isn't guilty. He just wants to talk. He wants to go over things. He has a few problems with what he saw. He mentions in there that the lawyer court-appointed for the kid did not seem to do that good of a job. There were things that that lawyer let slip, things that he's, that he says I would have questioned. I would have, you know. And then he he says, I if it were me, I would have asked for a different lawyer. So that sets it up that 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 the case seemed so cut and dried. Even to the to the kid's lawyer, it looked like he was guilty, and you know. And it's a mandatory death penalty. For the sentence, if they find guilty, the kid's going to get the death penalty, which seems seems pretty cruel. <laughs> really, you don't want to. First, let's see if he's guilty. Then let's determine whether or not we should put him to death. I mean, come on. I mean, how many crimes had this kid committed beforehand? Maybe he did. Apparently, he's got a record. I guess they mention it. So anyway, but how bad were they? I, you know, if he killed his father in the heat of passion, maybe. I don't know. Um, and I mean, the heat of anger, not passion, like, you know, you know, no, no, you know what I mean. Well, there's, there's the first, you know, first banger moment in, in that, in that film was when juror number eight shows that the, the, the singular murder, uh, murder weapon, this, this, uh, switchblade knife that's just so unique never, no one's ever seen one like it before. Well, juror number eight pulls uh, an exact same type of uh, you know, looking exactly the same switchblade throws it down on the table next to or into the table next to the uh, next to the murder weapon and that wows all the uh, jurors they're like oh you found one that looks exactly like it well, well, you know so well the guy juror number eight says i took a walk through that kid's neighborhood and i bought this at a pawn shop it's illegal apparently to buy a, 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 a switchblade knife which why that pawn shop was selling one then i don't know but anyway uh, so the guy says, yeah, I broke the law. Well, also, he also broke the rules of a trial. Jurors are instructed that you you deliberate on the evidence and the testimony uh, presented at trial. That, that jurors are not supposed to investigate themselves. They're not supposed to read news articles about it or listen to news reports on the radio or watch on the TV. They're, not, they're supposed to just consider the evidence and testimony that's given in court before them, presented to them. That's it. So what, hap what would happen next after that movie would be, at, at, at one point, there's a, there's a little heated argument that gets a little, almost a little out of hand. And, uh, you know, and the, uh, the bailiff comes in and says, everything okay in here, fellas? And uh, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, just a little, just a little argument. We're, we're good. Oh, by the way, you can take back the, uh, the, the murder weapon. And he hands, and the, the, drawer, the, firm, the foreman of the, of the jury gives the, gives the, uh, kit, the, the, uh, the murder weapon back to the bailiff. The bailiff brings it and puts it back into evidence or wherever that goes. 
Okay, so then they go through the whole thing, and there's the resolution, and they decide, okay, we're going to take our verdict to the judge, and everybody gets their stuff, and they leave. And then there's a long pan of the camera across the table, and there's, you know, crumpled up pieces of paper, notebooks, pens, pencils, and a switchblade knife laying on the table. Well, you know what's going to happen. See that in the movie ends, the two of the jurors exchange pleasantries, a little awkward at the end of the movie, but they, and then they move on with their lives, right? And you see all the rest of the jurors leaving. The one guy is going to catch that ball game that night. He was, he was, he was hot to see the ball game. Yankees, I guess, were playing somebody. So he's, you know, oh, I'm sorry, the hated Yankees. And so he's got to get going. And what's going to happen in what would happen next would be the bailiff would walk into this is after the movie the bailiff would walk into the jury deliberation room and begin to clean it up and find that switchblade knife and he'd say wait a minute didn't i put this back in evidence and he's going to go and he's going to take that knife and he's going back to evidence he's going to see yeah there's the knife with a tag i better show this to the judge and he's going to walk into the judge's office and say uh, your honor there's a second knife in the jury room there's a second knife there and the judge is going to say what the hell's that doing there how'd that get there i don't know your honor but it was left on the table when those fellows left okay let's get them all contacted let's get them back down here bring in the defense the, the defendant's lawyer and the uh the, the state prosecutor bring them back in he's going to convene everybody they're all going to sit in that that box again and he's going to question them the judges and say where did this knife come from? And juror number eight, being an honorable man, is going to say, "Well, I, I brought it in. I, I found it in the kids' neighborhood." Oh, what you do? What were you doing in the kids' neighborhood? Well, I was just getting a feel for things and looking around, and I saw that this pawn shop had this knife. And the judge is going to say, "You know, you broke the law by buying a switchblade knife. And if you would tell us what shop that was, we're going to go send the police to them, and there's going to be some problems for that that shop owner. But nevertheless, you broke the law by buying the knife, but you also broke the rules of the court. You are not to investigate." the case and that is what you are guilty of the rest of you gentlemen may leave and i have no choice but to declare a mistrial so that works for the kid anyway it's a mistrial if the state decides that they want to try him again you know. so that's that's what would happen after the movie in, in the real world that's what would happen i got another one this is a christmas theme one it's a wonderful life which was not a huge success of a film when it came out. It was, uh, uh, but it, it's become an absolute favorite of people. They are, um, you know, it's, it's it, because it, it went out of copyright and local television stations had, wait, free programming. You can just get this thing for free. We can put it in and we can show it several times. And there was a stretch there. You know, younger people may not believe this, but there was a stretch there where it, you get to close to Christmas, you could you could flip through the channels and say, "Oh, it's a wonderful life," and you watch it. And when it ends, and say, "Oh, you know, I'd like to watch that again." Flip through the channel some more. You're going to find another channel that's playing it. It, it. That's how it was. It was. It was. It got to be pretty crazy. But then somebody bought the rights. I think NBC bought the rights or something. So now it's exclusive to them. So that because it was so ubiquitous on television. People found it and enjoyed it and loved this message of a man who so selflessly gives of himself. He's he's not the most pleasant character. Oh, sure, everybody likes him and he, he's likable, but there's a there's a darkness to George Bailey, played by James Stewart. There's a darkness to him. All the while, he's harboring this this resentment toward Bedford Falls, which is the small town that he's trying to get out of. He has big visions for himself, but circumstances make it so that he can never get out. 
he has this business, the savings and loan or building and loan uh, uh, place where it's the one place that's not owned by the mean old miser. Uh, um, what's his name? Uh, Harry Potter. Uh, Mr. Potter. <laughs> Harry Potter's a different movie. So Mr. Potter owns the bank. He owns pretty much everything else in town. So when people want to borrow money or get a home or something, they can go to the building and loan, which doesn't make a lot of money. They barely scrape by, but somehow they survive and somehow they keep uh, Mr. Potter from shutting them down. And part of it's due to the fact that George Bailey keeps working at it. He doesn't give up. Well, he, circumstances happen where $8,000 disappears. Uncle Billy, who it's established, he's very forgetful. He's always forgetting things. He's got strings tied to his fingers to help him remember things. And he's very forgetful. So we've established that. So on a glorious day when, when George's younger brother is coming back to the States, a war hero, and the town is going to, you know, putting up a big do about him. It's in the newspapers and all that. Jo uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Uncle Billy. Uh, he's he's that's the one with this forgetful. He's going to make a deposit of eight thousand dollars. Now I'm going to spoil this movie for you. If you haven't seen it, it's being spoiled. Sorry, kids. Uh, <laughs> he's got the eight thousand dollars. He's going to deposit. He's at the bank, uh, which Harry uh, uh, Mr. Potter has an office there. And Potter's being brought in. He's in a wheel, confined to a wheelchair, so he's got this gruff-looking guy that pushes him around. And then Uncle Billy has to come over and gloat. Oh, and he's got the new, you know, uh, Potter has the newspaper, and Billy snatches it away from him. Oh, look at that. Uh, you know, one of the Bailey boys is coming back. Oh, you just can't stop those Baileys. He's kind of bragging. And in the process, he hands back the newspaper and the bundle of $8,000 that he had. He just had it in his hand, he just get, and it ends up in the bundle in the newspaper. And Mr. Potter gets brought to his office and he, he opens up the paper and he sees the $8,000 in there and he gets wheeled back to the door and he looks and there's Uncle Billy frantically looking for the money. Well this leads George to a crisis because it could mean you know embezzlement, it's going to be looked at by the bank examiner, this is embezzled funds, the money should be here, where's the money? Uh, it's going to be bankruptcy, it's going to be scandal, it's going to be jail, it's going to, it's going to be terrible. So he has, a, he has a crisis moment which God <sighs> helps. Yes, there's a religious element to the film, but still, it's fantasy, so why not go with it? He gets an angel sent to him, and then he goes through all this stuff of seeing what life would have been if he had never existed. Okay? That's the kind of thing. Right? Well, he finally is convinced that he doesn't want to kill himself. He wants to get his life back. He wants to be back where he was. He wants. He doesn't care if he goes to jail. He doesn't care what happens. He just wants to see his wife and his kids again. He just wants to live again. That's what he wants. And so, you know, he gets it. He goes home. He's happy as hell. There's a, there's a, uh, there's a, the, the bank examiner's there. There's newspaper people there. And there's a, I don't know, the sheriff or somebody there with a warrant for his arrest. And, and, uh, and, and before they can arrest George, just the town folks just all come pouring in with money. Here's money. You need money. Mary came around, said you needed money. You know, you know, said you were in trouble and you needed money. So you helped us out. So we're going to help you out. And it's, it's beautiful. It's it, it makes your heart sing. It puts a tear in your eye when you watch it. It's it's it, you know it's a great ending. And then and then we learned that the angel that helped him uh, will get his wings because you know the, there's a bell on the. It's a whole when a bell rings, an angel gets his wings or something. There's the whole thing about that. Like. Uh, American public school teaching that because one of the kids learned that from a public school 
And I thought, oh, great, you know, that's great, you know, separation of church and state kids, but this is 1948? Yeah, okay. Anyway, so it's this wonderful ending. It's just heartfelt. Uh, his, 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 George's brother comes in. He's brought in through a snowstorm. He gets there, and he says, you know, he gives a toast. He says, to my brother George, the richest man in town. And it just brings a tear to you, a lump in your throat. It's just a wonderful animal. Every time I see it, same thing, every time. But what would happen after the movie? What happens next? Now, notwithstanding the Saturday Night Live skit where Billy remembers where the money went and who has it, and then the town run and beat the shit out of uh, Mr. Potter, notwithstanding that thought process, in the real world, what would have happened? Well, you would have had the sheriff say, hey, this is great. These people came out. To, to help you in your time of need. You've been so selfless uh, in, in helping this town and so important to these people that they, they've come to your aid. That's great. But, Mr. Bailey, there's still the matter of the missing $8,000. Good night, Herr Doctor. Good night, Frau Blucher. I mean, come on, right? There's, the money's still missing. What happened to that money? There's still going to be an investigation. Things are going to, you know, so who knows what's going to happen. Then Uncle Billy comes in, and they all go beat up Mr. Potter. Anyway, Happy New Year. Uh, made it through 2023. Let's see what the next year brings. Uh, remember to be skeptical, and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim Fitzsimmons, reminding you all to sleep with the lights off. check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option and you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission. Production of the Z Talk Radio Network. And now a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. Well, well I'm going, going to hell. hell.